Kia ora everyone, I am your host Logan with the Stromcast Down Under and I am here with the lovely Sheena Jane Martin. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. That's good. So uh, this is something that we discussed a little while ago. I think I've hit you up a couple of times and we kind of looked through timings and both have been extremely busy, uh, but I'm happy to kind of bring you onto the podcast and really discuss your life uh, in this the world of bodybuilding and outside of bodybuilding. Um, but maybe we can get kind of started with a little brief introduction of who you are for people who don't know who you are. Um, and then we can get rolling into some questions from my side. So I'm introducing myself. <laughs> yes, please. Um, my name is Sheena Martin. I am a women's holistic coach. Now I was a professional bodybuilder for uh, five years. So I was an IFBB bikini pro and I was the first bikini pro to ever represent New Zealand at the Olympia, which is the the epitome of, of bodybuilding. Um, I competed 33 times as a pro across five years. Uh, and then I decided to shift my focus and uh, focus more on my, my coaching business, which I've been coaching for um, over 10 years now. So I was coaching the whole time I was competing as well. Um, but yeah, I, I stepped away from the stage and I moved from Los Angeles back home to New Zealand. And then I went back to university and I studied psychology, which was to kind of add the next layer to my my coaching. Um, and yeah, I've just been um, working on what I'm what I'm doing and how I can transform as many lives basically um, through my my offerings yeah awesome yeah it's um it's it's quite funny when you summarize everything you go oh I've done all of this and it's like it's a long journey um I had to summarize but, um yeah I, I saw you from the beginning but maybe um we'll take it all the way back because I I do know your first kind of professional job was a lawyer oh yeah there was that chapter <laughs> That was a small ch- chapter that you had. Um, maybe we'll start there. What what made you go from you know a successful career, what you studied for, uh, and then sort of transition into the fitness world where where you started? You really are the original because bikini wasn't a big thing. It was kind of just happening. I think it was Ashley maybe kind of the first one Ashley caught was. She was one of one of the early ones, and she was kind of the top 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 for for many years but um yeah there wasn't many pros from New Zealand before me and there was a few but they didn't compete overseas so much I was the first one to really kind of like get my pro card and and run with it sort of as as far and as fast as I could essentially (laughs) how did that come about like what made you decide to get into the fitness world um so, I, I mean, I've always been into fitness in one way or another. I was a dancer for 23 years. So growing up, I was a dancer and I was a competitive um, equestrian rider, horse rider. So those were my sports growing up. I went to Otago University and studied my law degree, thinking I wanted to be a big, high-powered commercial lawyer. And whilst I was at university, I started teaching group fitness classes as a job, which was my idea of getting a job that was somewhat like dancing, but not, but sort of. Um, So I got into kind of the gym scene there through fitness instructing. Um, And then even whilst I was working as a lawyer, I worked as a lawyer in in Tauranga and then moved to Auckland. Um, I always um, did my group fitness instructing on the side of that as as sort of a a passion more than anything, Um, a few classes a week sort of thing. Uh, And then I for many years contemplated leaving being a lawyer before I did. Um, right from the start, I didn't enjoy it. It was very high stress and very low passion, which isn't the recipe for the life that I want to live. Um, so I studied online whilst I was still working as a lawyer to then leave and go and be a personal trainer at Les Mills. Um, so yeah, the group fitness was there the whole way through. Then there was personal training and I just sort of fell into bodybuilding to be quite honest uh my my partner at the time wanted to do a competition so he talked me into doing one with him we did one together he didn't like it he didn't keep going I 
came fourth in my first show and then three weeks later won the nationals um a few months later i was an ifbb pro so it all happened really quickly um but i hadn't been i didn't train for competing for a long time i had the group fitness backgrounds like you know blaze mills body pump and like but not real strength training you know that would take my physique anywhere near where it could go but just from my my background in dancing horse riding all the group fitness stuff um, I had that foundation which was pretty much what I stepped on stage with the first time it's quite ex- yeah it's a, I, I didn't quite remember it being that quick but um yeah it was quick did you kind of grasp it at that time because I know nowadays people kind of understand what it means to turn pro and um in some instances it's easier and some it's harder because there's more people competing but did you quite grasp what it meant to turn pro back then or um to be honest not really I actually knew next to nothing about the sport when I started and um it all did happen very quickly and I sort of upskilled myself and sort of got quite passionate about the whole thing very quickly um when I turned pro, I didn't really anticipate that I would like end up quitting my job as a lawyer and, you know, moving to Los Angeles with three suitcases. I didn't sort of anticipate that it would go that far. Um, but I really just uh, took the next kind of authentic step that came next, which was, you know, I won the nationals and I got invited to go and compete at the Arnold Amateur in Ohio. And I came second at the Arnold Amateur in like a huge class of like 50 girls or something. And that in my third show on an international stage, it was like, oh shit, like I could actually be really good at this. And of course I was wanting to leave my job as a lawyer and become a personal trainer and, you know, a women's coach anyway. So it was very aligned with um, where I was going and like shit I've evolved a lot as a person since then and um my my coaching journey has evolved in the same way but um yeah it was like got on the international stage saw like oh shit I could I could actually do really well at this went home via a holiday in Hawaii and then did the pro qualifier here two weeks later and I won it and um it was actually a bikini pro show the same night um that was back in the day when some top international pros used to come over for the shows and I actually won my pro card and then stepped back on stage beside Ashley Kartwasser who was the three-time Miss Olympia I don't know how many Olympias she'd won at that point but she was like the current bikini Olympia champion it was 2014 and um yeah that was like what in the hell just happened if you think that the whole journey was about six months from like literally knowing nothing about the sport um it was really what I did with it after that though that that took me to the Olympia you know like I just I, I, I was hungry for like a journey that really challenged me I guess I'd always had something that challenged me growing up and I didn't really have that um in my lawyer job and it was like this this cool thing that I could pursue um no I was gonna say it's like the you get a gratification out of like a result right where um I think when there's a job that you're not passionate about and although you may maybe it's lawyer and you win a case it's not the same feeling of going I've got passion behind what I'm doing oh yeah completely it's um like you know, your energy for life is much different when you're doing something that you love doing. Uh, and, well, not not everyone can say that they work doing something that they love doing like that. But, um, I mean, my career, once I became a professional, was, that was part of what I was doing, and it was really my own personal journey of empowerment, but it was proving to women, like, what you can actually do if you work hard and you know do all the things that you need to do to evolve into the person who can do that and um yeah no it was it was a pretty wild journey to be honest uh and it's like looking back it's sort of quite crazy all that I did and the countries I went to and how many shows I did in a short space of time um yeah 33 shows right 33 shows over over how long of a period 33 pro shows over, I think it was four and a half years technically. And then I I did three shows, three other shows as, as an amateur before I turned pro. So the five years in total. And 
how did your um because obviously the standard and physique changed throughout you you kind of went through all the different stages of that how did that affect you like did that change your way of training dieting the did the pressure become more or did you embrace that change the the look in terms of conditioning definitely like the conditioning standard improved girls are coming in more conditioned than they used to and I was definitely there for that whole shift and it just meant you had to work harder and be leaner um but in terms of the physique the lower body also became more streamlined like girls used to have bigger legs in bikini earlier on if you look at like Natalia Mello or like real OG bikini it was a much softer look and it was you know definitely allowing for softer and larger legs I have always had like dominant quads and that's from years and years of being a dancer um and I never used to train them like specifically. So I actually had to do this wild, if I look back at it now, completely wild overtraining. I basically used to overtrain the shit out of my legs to shrink my quads in half. And um, it worked. But yeah, that was what I had to do. And it was it was quite dramatic. I went from my first Olympia and to the next show that I did, which was in Russia of all places. I think I dropped 10 pounds, so like basically five kilos in my stage weight, and, and it was like 10 weeks or something. I just, I went absolutely nuts on the Stairmaster and, and training legs every morning to, to completely overtrain my legs, um, and it worked. I didn't have to maintain that. It was sort of like this crazy phase I had to go to, through to really force my legs to be smaller. Um, that was the main sort of major I did also kind of come hot out the gates and really get massive shoulders and I actually had to tone them down a little bit or like at least not pump them up before I went on stage. Like I used to pump up my shoulders before I went on stage and I think that was partially Mo encouraging me to grow my shoulders and it was partly just it felt cool. But um, yeah, I had to t tone down what my upper body looked like on stage. Um, yeah. What would you say... I have a vision of what I I think you're going to say, but what would you say is the best look that you had when you went on stage? Or a look you're most proud of? Um, it would definitely be between the New York Pro when I won and the Arnold Classic the year the sort of the year after that. So 2018 Arnold Classic. My glute, I looked better from the back in New York and I looked better from the front at, at the Arnold, basically, if I was going to pick it apart. Um, I definitely had grown my glutes, but I don't know whether it was the lighting or they were just a bit flat or a combination of both, but like from the photos at least, um, I definitely looked better from the back when I won New York. Yeah, New York has got, it's an interesting stage and like the backdrop is kind of favourable for athletes, so... It makes sense. I was going to say New York. That's the image when I think of you. I remember um, you're stepping on stage there, thinking now that that was almost six years ago. That's quite crazy. Um, yeah, crazy. Is, yeah. I'm fast. It is wild. Yeah. So on your journey of being a bikini pro, did you always have a vision of transitioning into coaching? Is that what you kind of figured, hey, look, I'll naturally come into this? Or were you just head down? pro shows competing that's my goal um no I was coaching the whole time so uh when I first started competing I was working at the gym as a personal trainer as well as online coaching and that was um like holistic coaching but it was it was training and nutrition personalized for clients basically what I do is is completely different now in that it is holistic coaching as in the mind and the body and it's it's really like a whole lot deeper the work that I do now uh, but I was coaching yeah the whole time basically when I started traveling a lot for competing I stopped personal training at the gym because I was not there that much uh, like I would go to the states or you know travel for months at a time uh, and that's when I transitioned only online with my coaching and yeah so from 2017 until I finished competing and and after that that was I mean that was how I funded my my journey that was my main thing although what I shared on social media was a lot about 
my own journey as a competitor. Um, but the coaching was always there. It's uh, really just expanded and, and deepened and, yeah, and, and evolved as I've gone. Yeah. Did you? When did you move to the States? Because you lived in, is it Venice, is that correct, where you were staying? Or? Yeah, I lived in Santa Monica and I also lived in Huntington Beach and I lived in Playa del Rey, so I, I basically got around near Venice there. I, I trained at Goldstone Venice, apart from when I lived down in Orange County briefly, but um, yeah, it was like a whole experience living there and being part of that like Goldstone family. Was that part of the plan? Like, did you know you all wanted to have to move over there to continue a journey or? Oh, no, I, it was not at all part of the plan. Um, I basically just started traveling to compete and I would go and travel for like three weeks and do three shows back to back. And that was a really expensive way to do it. Um, like if you're doing 10 shows a year and you're trying to, there wasn't many shows in New Zealand. There was maybe one in Australia back then, which was the Arnold Classic. So you had to actually be invited, which I was every year that, that it was on. But still, um, you really had to go internationally to compete. And America is the hub of the sport. And it's where, you know, there's shows every single weekend just about for the whole calendar um, there's international shows as well and I did a handful of those which was an awesome experience too but uh, I was really traveling so much for it that I sort of got wind of the opportunity that I could possibly apply for a professional athlete visa and that would allow me to go and live in California for three years and that was kind of my ticket to really like dive into the fitness industry um, head on and there was obviously competing but I actually um, you know, I didn't even compete for the last year that I was there. I'd sort of outgrown it by that point and, and gone on to the next phase. But um, I, you know, I also did photo shoots, a lot of photo shoots. I was published in fitness magazines multiple times. Um, so it was really like more than just competing that it took me there. It was uh, obviously, you know, I, I trained at, at Gold's Gym beside Arnold each morning and just the, the sort of people that you're around in the fitness industry there led to a lot of really cool opportunities. Um, and yeah, there was always the coaching alongside, but there was being a fully sponsored athlete and all of that, which it would have been quite hard to do from New Zealand. Um, you know, the opportunities over there are much bigger in terms of branding yourself as a sort of a fitness professional kind of thing. Um, look, I know it's always changing and the, the way to have opportunities here is to create them for yourself. Obviously it, it can be done, but, um. It, it was the next sort of step for me to really, you know, feel like I was fully living the dream, so to speak, of chasing that kind of head first. And what, I guess for me, it was like to understand, like, was there a turning point? Because you mentioned briefly, how uh, you were sort of transitioning out. What was that turning point of going, you know, I'm done with competing? Because I think you did maybe five years of professional like competing I'm, I'm assuming it was around five years and then there must be yeah, a period where you just decided yeah it was technically four and a half years I think uh and then basically a year that I lived in California and was on a whole other journey until I moved home to New Zealand basically when my visa was up um the turning point was sort of coming into what would have been my third Olympia like I missed out on qualifying for one by one point um, and and I was really going for it that season to try and qualify. And like if I had have placed literally one place higher at any of my shows, I would have qualified. Um, and it was sort of like, you know, by that point, you're really doing it to get back to the Olympia each year. Obviously, there's a lot of intrinsic reasons to do it, but it's not the whole thing. But, you know, in terms of, you know, when you're one of the top competitors in the world winning the New York Pro, um you're trying to get to the Olympia each year. And I so basically just missed out by one point. I would have been the next, you know, person going to the Olympia for that year, which was 2018. And um, probably, like I always knew that competing was going to be a phase and there would become a time where what I was having to put into it was actually holding me back from evolving in other areas of life because competing takes literally all of you. It's a lot and it's very hard to, you know, give a lot to anything else that you, there's literally only so much of you. So, you know, I was fully, you know, all in 
everything revolved around this journey and obviously my coaching journey, which was, you know, I was coaching a lot of athletes back then. I still do coach athletes, but it was all very, you know, heavily tied in together. Um, and so I didn't want to obviously finish with a bad taste in my mouth after that, that show where I missed out on the Olympia by one point. So I did one more show, which was in California and it was kind of just a fun one. And I literally could drive to the show and, and it was, it was a fun time. Um, and I placed third in that one. So I, you know, I felt like I was leaving on a pretty good note. I mean, look, the show where I, um, missed out on the Olympia by one point, I came sixth at the Tampa pro, which is one of the biggest on the calendar and Jennifer Dory, your two-time Olympia, bet me. And Dio Pellino, who was like absolute goat. And I think it was her first show back after a baby or something crazy. Uh, Laura Lee Chapado, who was, you know, obviously one of the, the best. Um, and then one other person that bet me um, in that show, I think. Um, a crazy lineup. <laughs> you know, it's a crazy lineup. It's the last show to qualify for the Olympia. It was a hard show. And, um, but it was sort of like, I wasn't going to go for another whole year, you know. Um, I knew that if I was going to keep competing, I would need basically a serious chunk of time off to just let my body have a break and make improvements. Like if you keep going and going and going back to back, you're basically losing muscle over time, you know. You're just like, you know, I my physique wasn't improving. And um, so it was sort of like, go 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 towards the end of that season like let's try and get back to the olympia for a third time and um after that it was like well actually there's all of these other things that have been calling to me and maybe there's a reason why competing hasn't gone the way that i wanted it to this season maybe i need to actually listen to those other things that are calling me um so yeah do you find it like as i say ashley for example I, I, it amazes me that she maintains and can compete as much as she does every year. Do you look at that and go, that's pretty crazy knowing that you've kind of been there and gone, I've done it at the highest level and this girl somehow can keep going? I do, but also if you've followed Ashley for a long time, you know that she actually didn't keep going the whole time, right? She had her first run where she won the Olympia three times and maybe for a little bit after that but she actually took a break for quite a few years because she had trouble with her health and um I don't think there's any problem with me sharing this openly because I'm pretty sure she shared about it herself but I think she had thyroid problems and uh you know had to be medicated with thyroid medication to fix them essentially so look that's what could happen if you competed too much and didn't give your body the break it needed if everything sort of started going haywire um so it's certainly impressive what she does now like the amount of show she does and the amount of show she's won and like wow what the hell this is just literally crazy but um she certainly won't be able to keep doing it forever right so you do have to be the higher standard that you're pushing your body to the more strategic you've got to be about taking proper breaks otherwise you literally you you won't last right and we see in the extremes of it you know people that essentially lose their lives to bodybuilding because they're pushed when it wasn't safe for them to push um but it is it is really important to listen to your body and as a coach i am very informed by you know, a lot that I've seen out in the world of bodybuilding and my own experience in terms of, you know, what's really realistic and, and what amount of time do we invest in the actual growing and improving part of it. And, you know, anyone who knows knows stuff about bodybuilding knows that that's the most important time. You know, if you want to improve, you've got to take that time off. And, yeah, I mean, my transition away from the stage was basically the call to go and do other stuff, which was, you know, work on myself internally and therefore step into the next level of myself as a coach. And, you know, obviously I went back and did a whole qualification in psychology, like that whole journey. I couldn't have done that and kept competing or, you know, I could have, but I would have been spread much too thinly um, considering what I had to invest into it. So it was really no longer the turning point was, you know, this is no longer authentic for me to keep fully pursuing this and giving this everything that I am because there's more to life. And I always knew that day would come, but, um, 
Yeah, like, and honestly, I always have people ask me, oh, do you reckon you'd compete again? And um, sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I will. Like, sometimes, you know, you have a really good workout and you have a good pump or something and you're like, oh, God, maybe I would compete again. Like, the bug's always there and, like, the passion is always there. And when I'm coaching athletes who are absolutely killing it, like, my men coaching Rochelle this year was like so inspiring. Like, gets so itchy to be like, man, I'm going to train really hard. I'm going to push myself. Um, I, she, um, she's a good friend of mine, so she talks very highly of you. Um, but I think uh, on what you said, like, I was actually hoping I would probe you into saying what you said because the the look that people see in Instagram and social media, and they they think it's maintainable to look a certain way all year round. And it really isn't. And like from myself, knowing that I've competed over a decade now, um, I don't look like the photos that I post sometimes all the time. It's just impossible. And we know what's involved to kind of get there. So I'm glad you said something because a lot of people look up to this and think, oh, it's, it's you know, Ashley can do it. I, I can do it. It's like, yeah, no, she, she can't really. Um, and it's probably not it's probably not the best image to to portray that that's that's okay so yeah I mean look I try to keep the journey very realistic but you know even for myself like I'm very conscious in what I share about my body online for example because I'm 10 months postpartum and like to most people I don't even look like I've had a baby like to me, I'm nowhere near, you know, what I was physically beforehand, but, like, I'm conscious even there not to uh, share something that's, I, I don't know, going to make anyone feel bad because they couldn't do it, but it's, you know, when you've been a professional athlete and I literally went back to the gym one and a half weeks postpartum, so um, I literally only stopped training for a week and a half, and I mean, it's crazy, but, you know, you can do a lot of isolated stuff quite safely at the gym if you know what you're doing. You know, I literally trained with a baby strapped to me. Um, so, yeah, I am very conscious about portraying something that's, like, healthy and realistic. And, um, I mean, when you're competing, you have to go through phases that aren't healthy or realistic, essentially. You know, um, if you're – what I'm – what I – promote to clients now who aren't competing is you know trying to be in a position where you can eat at a maintenance calories or more if you need more because you're trying to grow or you're pregnant or you're breastfeeding or whatever um, but let's start trying to be in a point at, at a point with our bodies where we're training like a badass we're eating heaps and well we're thriving we're not restricting we're not overdoing it in the gym we're doing it for all the right reasons and doing it from an empowered place not um like oh i need to change my body because i'm not good enough that like this or you know it's that that whole shift that um you know i'm an advocate now and that's the the journey that i'm taking clients on um but yeah i i'm i guess i've got sort of like i guess retired athlete privilege when it comes to my body and like you know i've maintained a lot of muscle and obviously I'm a professional and it was my job to look a certain way for many years. So to me, it's, um, I'm sort sort of just playing in the gym right now, four days a week. And, and it, I, I've seen your leg presses. It's not, not quite playing, but yeah, we can playing hard. And, and, and actually I'm sort of on a buzz with training right now. Cause I'm actually stronger than I've ever been. And that's team up, like 10 months postpartum, which is actually crazy. I mean, I've never, I, I just decided one day I'm going to just push myself. And I started with really pushing myself on the leg press, which I've never really done before. And mostly that was because anything that I push heavy on a leg press is going to get my quads, right? So we've been through the quad saga. Um, I basically couldn't do anything that risked getting my quads when I was competing. Um, although I am doing it in, in a glute-focused way, like high and, high and close. But anyways... Um, I haven't really had the hunger to like really do the strong girl, like try and get super strong. But I, at the same time, as I say that there's only a few things that I'm going to ever go really heavy on. Cause for one, my back's not the same as it used to be when I wasn't 35. Um, and like, I mean, even at the moment I sort of laugh to myself after I leg press, sometimes I'm like, 
there's absolutely no need for you to leg press 200 kilos and like risk hurting your knees but I'm like nah screw it like it's fun and I'm in the moment and I can so I'm going to but <laughs> anyways that's a whole nother story if, if that's not a Kiwi attitude, I don't know what is, right? It's, uh, you know, we kind of live in the moment. Um, one of the things I wanted to say is, you know, a lot of uh, females have a have a view on how they should look, especially when they get into the off-season. Um, and we'll just touch on this really quickly, and I kind of wanted to get your opinion. Um, but they're afraid of looking watery and a bit soft and, having that downtime and enjoying a meal off and, you know, trying to maintain abs, what would you say to a female that comes to you and has, has that problem and that, that image of going, oh, I don't know how to kind of let my foot off the gas and go, hey, look, I can have a chill moment. It's okay. Um, yeah, fluffy. No, that Fluffy is the common term that I hear. No one wants to look fluffy. But um, my approach as a coach is really – teaching clients so they are knowledgeable on the why like why can't I stay like that what are my hormones doing and what are my hormones going to do if I stay 10% body fat for a sustained amount of time so it's actually understanding the mechanisms that are underneath things in terms of hormones like what do I actually have to do to set myself up for healthy hormones for the long term and if you're for example in a calorie deficit for years and years you're not going to do your hormones many favors um but it's also from a nutrition perspective like understanding okay well, what do i need to do with my nutrition if i want to build muscle i need to eat more than my maintenance um and obviously our sort of uh, metabolic rate and capacity can diminish if we diet for a long time and the maintenance becomes sort of a imaginary thing but um you know you have to build your calories up if you don't build your calories up from having them low when you're in in prep you're never going to make any progress it's literally impossible you know your your body needs a surplus of fuel let's focus on giving it a, a surplus of fuel and really good quality fuel um so there's that whole education in the background of how to eat and how to do it forever after competing and that's really what it's like when you're in the improvement season it's going into your what I you know a lot of my clients we, we call it flow state you know like you're going into your flow state where it's not the same so drive and push that you have when you're prepping for a show it's equally as important but it's actually about uh, shifting into it into a more kind of even flow sort of thing where it's not like cardio every day training every day it's pulling your foot off the gas and your your food needs to go up your cardio needs to go down basically if it doesn't you're only cheating yourself because you're actually not going to make any improvements in your improvement season if you're still doing cardio every day and eating not enough food right so it's uh empowering people with like the actual understanding of the scientific process okay want to be healthy want more muscle want to do the proper uh you know build the metabolic capacity in the improvement season is, is the way i refer to it you know when you start your prep again you want to have your calories as high as possible and your cardio as low as possible that gives you the maximum capacity to work with so that you don't end up eating like a rabbit when you get to the stage and you're not doing a ridiculous amount of cardio um all been in that state where we've done those before um no, it's, I'm glad you say that because I, I see it a lot of times with, with people where they have sort of like a punishment mentality of, oh, I've eaten, you know, in a surplus, so I'm going to do cardio because, you know, and I, it's, um, it's good to hear from a perspective of someone who's kind of been all the way to the top that it's okay to, to step back, um, to take step forward. And I think that's kind of what I like to tell my clients when I'm training them is like, you know, there's... Uh, I had one this last weekend say, oh, you know, is it okay if I have a meal off on Christmas Day? <laughs> and I said, well, of course, it's Christmas. Enjoy the whole day off. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. You know, it's just, it's one day. Yeah. I mean, look, obviously, um, where, you know, holidays fall in terms of where you are on in your prep journey is important. Like if you're competing in January, then you're going to have to probably be quite strict by the time you're coming around Christmas um and you know well here there's no shows around that time so it's not not usually a problem but uh it is 
yeah, really about being conscious of, you know, what's the what's the highest version of you in, in each phase of the journey because the best version of you when you're on prep requires different things. There's more of a strictness that's required. But actually, you know, being, you know, the sort of highest and most conscious version of you when you're in your improvement season is actually oh, I need to get my body fat levels up high enough that I'm healthy. I need to get my calories up for this reason. I need to get my cardio down for this reason. And it's, you know, if I was, um, I often suggest clients, if they find it hard, like mentally challenging, they're having an argument with themselves about what they should be doing. If you were your own parent, what would you be recommending, right? Your own wise parent who knows the science and all the things, Um that can help to sort of bring the emotions out of it. But, you know, if you're competing and you're in a place where you've got that internal argument going on about any aspect of the journey, to be honest, you're probably not in the right space and you're probably needing to spend some time actually working on becoming really conscious in your own relationship with food and exercise and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Because, you know, if competing starts to become something, something where there's some sort of punishing yourself or... Um, you know, any sort of unhealthy eating patterns or emotional eating or whatever it is, and it can quickly become unhealthy like that, that that would be time that you actually do need to step away and learn how to just have balance. And um, it doesn't mean you can't be making progress and tracking your food and, you know, making the best improvements, but actually... um, appreciating that making the best improvements will requires you to be healthy and if you stay hooked on cardio and staying lean you're not going to be you know in in your peak of health and in your peak uh position physiologically for building muscle like it's just not going to happen um you need time you need food you need rest you need you know proper training programs and progressive overload you know all the, the the boxes that you need to tick but um yeah if if you're staying in, in in or near or anywhere close to competition state for a long period of time you're I could I could tell you now you're probably not setting yourself up for um the best um yeah it's it can certainly be mentally challenging to go from that you know, oh, this is my absolute best peak physical condition, looking like an absolute sculpture. To now, I'm fluffy and normal. Um, normal, you know, don't. But um, that's, I mean, look, that's part of competing. If you can't do that and have a healthy relationship with it mentally, with the process of being in peak condition for for the stage, being in your improvement season, and being properly focused on the right things like health improvement. Da da da, fun balance, eating the holiday food with your family, whatever. If you can't do that without creating a mental prison for yourself inside your own head, then um, that's probably exactly what you need to do. You know, um, that makes sense. Yeah, there's not longevity in competing if if you don't have a healthy relationship with it, right? I think that's a perfect perfect way to summarize it. Um, if we kind of take it back to your journey now. Uh, you finish up in the States and move to back to New Zealand. And I remember actually we had a conversation about this a few years ago um, about you going back to studying. What stemmed that? What made you go and go, okay, I'm going to go back to studying. Uh, I know you studied psychology and uh, how would that, how did that journey come about? Uh, so once I stepped away from the stage and I was really focused with where my sort of purpose was pulling me to go in terms of both my own sort of personal journey of growth, but also what I was doing as a coach. Uh, I went down many, many rabbit holes um, with a lot of different psychology stuff, um, basically doing my own qualification from at home in my living room, which is the great thing about the internet. But I came back from... America and I really wanted to ground in my sort of passion study that I'd been doing for, for with psychology and spirituality and different mindfulness practices and um, you know all sorts of ways of of transforming ourselves essentially and becoming more um, 
more able to change as human beings, right? Like um, that really comes down to the mind and understanding what it is to be a human being and how to consciously change who you are as a human being. And that took me back to university. I um, had obviously already been to university and studied my law degree. So that allowed me to do a postgraduate qualification in psychology. I had actually started some psychology when I started law and then decided, nah, I'll go fully into law. And um, so the psychology and personal development side of things was always a sort of a seed that was planted. But I guess all of my life experience and the journey that I went on as um, an athlete and through my different careers and moving countries and the whole literal the whole thing um led me to a place where that felt like the best next step so that I could elevate what I was able to offer as a coach and that was you know having a qualification and um respected education in um said topics that I was really passionate about and wanted to really weave into my coaching um so yeah it's it's really all that I've learned and what I sort of focused on in terms of psychology, the areas of my interest, um, have really become embedded in, in my own sort of personal coaching theory that I use with my one-on-one coaching clients. Uh, and yeah, it was actually really quite challenging to go back to university after like many, many, I think 11 years after I first graduated. Um, and I actually I went back and just as I was all in with competing, I was all in with my study and I literally got like all A's almost and everything. And like, I loved it. And I was really full in my geek mode era. And of course I was still training in the hot fitness thing and it was all going on in the background still. But um, yeah, it was just really what the cocoon phase that was required to to step into this next version of, of myself as a coach. Did you find it, because um, like from my side, looking an outside in, um, it really sets you as like a point of difference in a lot of, uh, if we think of like coaching athlete relationships, a lot of the times it's unfortunately it comes down to sort of a tick box exercise and going, hey, here's your plan, follow your plan, um, check in with me next weekend. I know that's not who you are as a person. It's probably never who you've been as a coach either. Um, did you find it really helped evolve your coaching, um, more so with just the qualification as a backing, supporting what you kind of already did? It it definitely did. All of what I learned from doing my university studies definitely helped to um, really shift and like deepen what I was offering as a coach. Um, part of that, I actually started doing video face to face calls with clients, was which is obviously if you're just online, like over email or using an app uh, without actual face-to-face conversation, like that's a time where I can really sort of crack my clients open in the right way and help them to see something that, that needs to be seen for their next couple of weeks of homework until we catch up again. And um, so definitely adding that element of depth in my coaching was definitely influenced by what I learned through my studies but a lot of it was also my own personal journey and of becoming more self-aware and starting to see my own patterns that were not serving me when it came to say food or exercise or whatever and it's actually been that that journey of my own um then with science kind of built around it if you can imagine I I went back to university in search of particular pieces of the puzzle that I needed to to find to sort of give credibility, I guess, to my, my coaching framework that, that was developing from experience. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely been a very uh, blended approach. But, um, yeah, it was an exciting journey because it was felt like a sort of getting a key that was going to unlock the next level of what I can do as a coach. And I'm doing it one-on-one with clients, but um, I haven't actually had a chance to sort of like broadcast on my message yet to the world and like you know that that's all about what sort of comes next in terms of uh what I'm building it's exciting it's um because obviously like we've got a mutual friend and your client Rochelle and she works at the gym I train at so I see her 
almost every day um, when I'm there. And I saw a shift in kind of her over the last year as well, um, really grasping, you know, this journey of her becoming now our newest bikini pro in New Zealand, uh, which I think we both agree is much deserved. And I saw you both on stage and very happy about that. Um, how was that? And maybe we'll just highlight Rochelle uh, for a moment. How was that journey with her? Because I know you sort of were with her from the beginning. And to see her now come to where she's at, what, how was that for you? Um. Rochelle and I had sort of a moment where we, you know, if it, if it was a romantic relationship where our eyes met and, like, we had this moment where we were really connected at the show backstage and this was years before we actually um, started working together. So, yeah, we sort of we had a moment where we really um, connected and um, it's been almost like um, guiding a sister on, on her way. It felt a lot to me like uh, Rochelle was sort of like, following in my footsteps or like, you know, I see a lot of myself in her. So it was incredibly rewarding to guide her. But um, yeah, she's really, I mean, obviously her physical transformation has been insane, but the internal transformation and how much she's evolved just in her self-awareness, her confidence, her relationship with herself, um, the way she believes in herself and, uh, you know, goes after what she wants. And if that requires changes in her life, she will, um, you know, she knows what she has to do. That's the sort of person that she is now. And that's definitely like an internal blossoming. That's, um, you know, her stepping into the version of her that she needs to be to actually go on to this next phase of her journey, which, um, yeah, so deserving and so exciting. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for, for what's next for us next year. But I mean, she is like, she's been a dream client for me, you know, like um, if she hadn't have come to me for coaching, she's the sort of person I'd go and say like, let me coach you. You are just like brilliance waiting to happen. And I see it with so many people. But I, um, yeah, I don't usually approach people, but um, she, yeah, I mean, she was like magic waiting to happen, just like an awesome structure and just really needing the right guidance to actually take her physique to, to its potential. And, you know, the entire structure that's needed under that which is you know the the food the relationship with nutrition the whole thing has to be very aligned the um obviously the training but there is a you know an internal growth that you witnessed um as Rochelle has really like got conscious about who she is on this journey and like she's just really authentic she is Rochelle and she she shows up as as herself and she's giving her best and she's really fucking shining so it's awesome i hope i can swear on this podcast you can do whatever you want I do. <laughs> <laughs> um i i think a, a key moment for me was waikato and obviously i was like she should have won the overall but that's just a little biasm from me but when she came back it was like nothing to her and she was just like oh, i'm just fine the, what matters is nationals and she just went back to work and I know you guys dropped a bunch of weight in that short kind of window and then we saw what happened and I was sitting front row and I was like, yep, yeah, it's, it's kind of game over. So it's a testament to you because I think um, with your coaching ability and be able to like mentor her into having that mindset of, I think anyone else, you know, when you have this feeling and prediction of winning an overall may have re reacted a different way, but her coolness in it and just going, nah, it's fine. It's, it's the next week that matters. So um, that was quite quite cool to see on my side. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's um, if I can't change it, then I can change my response to it, right? And that's the approach that we took. Like, okay, is what it, it is what it is. Uh, we came runner-up in the overall. We need to win the overall in two weeks' time. So, all right, well, let's, put the, let's do what they want. Um she looked incredible at Waikato and it was obviously a, a slightly softer and less tight physique. I still, I think it should have won as well, like based off, you know, my experience as a competitor and a coach and a judge. Um, but yeah, like we did what we needed to do in that time and she had to work hard, but I, I was confident that, you know, if they wanted to see this next level of conditioning, then I would know exactly how to get her to that point that we needed to get to um it, you know we didn't 
push for extreme conditioning beforehand because it, it's it's a very blurred line of of what the judges want to see and if you come in too conditioned that's not going to that's not going to go well either and um yeah i personally think that the girl that um bet was showing the overall looked slightly too conditioned and there's a number of other reasons why i um thought rochelle's physique was more complete um if i was looking objectively at it but um it certainly made us both hungry and i get rochelle and i are both quite similar in that we're very driven very determined and also like just the touch of stubbornness like if you tell me i can't do something oh i will show you i can do it and i'm gonna really fucking do it and so we you know rochelle you know that she's does that sound like rochelle well i was just gonna say i love how you say just the touch of stubbornness i'm like it's more than it's more than a touch from both of you um but yes that's that kind of sums up you know how it is and you know, I saw it every day. I was in there training every day and I saw her, you know, go through it and push it. And um, it's exciting. I'm excited for your guys' future. Um, not to kind of, well, to shift the conversation a bit because uh, this one's quite important for me, but, and I know it's very important for you, but um, pregnancy and your training uh, is something that I did want to talk about because I actually have a sister-in-law who's pregnant and, this is where my, my thought process of going, I need to get Sheena on the podcast came from because uh, she fell pregnant and she came up to me and said, oh, my mum said I can't be training in weight training. And I was like, oh, no, uh, that's you, you can. Um, and then I instantly thought of you and I was like, I watched Sheena train all the way up to, I'm going to say eight months pregnancy, probably closer to nine Um she'll have a lot to say about that but um maybe we go through your journey of like being pregnant and training and uh what advice you could give to any expecting kind of mothers on what could their capacity be <sighs> yes so I literally trained until uh I think I was like four days before I had seen it was my last workout so um my, I trained the entire way through and I then ended up going back to the gym with Sienna in the carrier so she slept on me when I was nine days postpartum I just went back and had play rounds and um I I would definitely caution women on and going back that soon as after that's like very very few people are going to do that but that that was my level of expertise allowed me to do that safely and I was you know doing you know isolated upper body movements that were very very safe um at that point um but your personal capacity for training when you're pregnant is obviously going to depend on on where you're coming from as a background. Um, I have worked with clients who have started training post uh, pregnancy during pregnancy, so they they weren't actually training beforehand and have started strength training during pregnancy, and that is actually safe and it's it's actually something that's recommended by any you know good healthcare provider who. Um, you know, exercise during pregnancy is important and strength training is one of literally the best forms of exercise during pregnancy. There's a lot of reasons why it's important to have muscles for posture and holding your body whilst it's changing and your weight distribution is changing and um, you're going to get a lot heavier. You're going to have to be stronger to, to literally do everything. Um, but also postpartum and like carrying a baby and bending down and squatting and this and that like everything about pregnancy and postpartum and being a mum is like yeah let's be strong like let's have muscle um so you know that is another reason why it's it's awesome to start strength training during pregnancy if you, if you haven't already um yeah I mean I, I was able to push through you know I was training with a couple of my clients or, you know, my sister who, you know, doing a workout that I probably would have taken them through before being pregnant, although I had to make the whole workout fit around the extremely large belly that I had that, like, you know, needed wide feet and, like, I couldn't leg press because I literally had couldn't even bring my knees up towards my chest or whatever. Um, so, obviously, there were some extreme practical considerations that, like, as your body's changing, you have to know how to change the exercises so they are safe. Uh, so I am actually working on uh, pre pregnancy workouts um, to add to my new training platform, which is 
literally workouts I filmed when I was pregnant um, and how to do it safely and at the different phases of your pregnancy where your body's changing. Um, but yeah, it, look, it is very safe and very recommended and advisable to strength train during pregnancy. Other forms of exercise are great as well. General fitness is important as well as having muscle. So, you know, one of the best things that you can do for yourself, both mentally and physically throughout pregnancy and postpartum is to stay fit and, and to exercise. Um, it's the same sort of advice that I would give to any man or woman or any, any human being um, on the face of the earth, like move your body nourish your body properly the whole holistic thing um it, it, the same applies when you're pregnant and i think back in the day there used to be more of this sort of like she's pregnant let's like wrap her up in cotton wool and like sit her over there and like don't do anything unsafe but um oh i mean you see some some women doing some much more risky stuff um than strength training when they're pregnant you know, I don't know like riding a horse or something where i'm like wow that's really could go bad but um Strength training is very safe and it's all about having the right guidance. So um, I am really passionate about empowering women to, to strength train, obviously throughout pregnancy and just literally every, every woman in general for, for the benefits it has at different phases. But yeah, it's, it's as important as ever when you're pregnant. No, that's uh, sound advice and that's something that I, you know, preached to her, but I, it kind of instantly made me think of you and go, you know, it's easy coming from a man to say it, but I've not gone through the journey, so I can't talk on it. So having you say that is uh, is quite quite awesome to hear. Yeah, oh, like it, it definitely took some mental adjusting to adjust to my body changing. Like, um, I mean, I think I gained like 16 kilos. So literally just being that much heavier, I mean, I was literally tired. So like to, to get to the gym when you're like, I just need a nap. I'm so heavy and tired. Um, you know, it takes discipline and that that's a whole other side of what you're training when you're strength training, right, is actually that, that discipline and that. Um, but honestly, it was actually really empowering for me to feel like I could still train whilst I was pregnant and to now be literally stronger than I've ever been when I'm coming up 10 months postpartum. Like, um it's sort of mind-blowing but I'm not surprised because like I just I, I love it and it's an important part of my lifestyle and it's it's honestly something that I recommend to every woman it, it's, it's so gangster to be strong and fit and feel good in your body it's very much just you if I was going to summarize you it's a it's a you thing to do um to end up a, a stronger version of yourself 10 months postpartum um i think you know i don't want to hold you too much longer because i know you're a very busy woman but um what is next for sheena uh i know we briefly spoke off here but uh maybe as you can summarize call what's next and then we could get into where people can find you um because i think uh, i'm quite excited for next year and your kind of new journey that you're going through um but yeah what's next so i will be continuing my one-on-one -on -one coaching with um clients both the the everyday women i used to call them lifestyle clients and i feel like it doesn't quite fit right now but um, i work with every woman and i also work with competitors so that's that's my one-on-one -on -one, um, places to work with me I've just launched my membership platform, which is called the Higher Self Collective, and it is essentially the culmination of all of my my tools, my principles, my training um, in an interactive app that is um, a membership uh, community. There's also a community forum in there, so it's literally brand new, and now that is really just the beginning of, of what I'm going to do with that membership platform and that community that I'm going to build there. Uh, my my goal has always been to transition into creating more personal development courses and really digging in more to um, that side of my coaching. Um, so creating the app and having a hands-off way that people can kill it with their training and um, that's kind of been the next step for me so that I can work with more um, more people and have more of an impact. So yeah, a lot that's in the works and for my for my app, for my membership platform. Uh, and I also told you that I am toying with the idea. And when I say toying with the idea, it's it's literally been circulating for years now of um, 
what's the be- the best way for me to get my message out to the world and I am thinking that it's a podcast. Uh, I've done YouTube, like I did YouTube, um, but filming and being on camera is a slight admin where I feel like um, a podcast would be like a really easy and authentic space for me to get out valuable message is content um and um yeah so that's kind of feeling like the way that I'm going um but I'm also very conscious that maintaining my work-life balance as a mum is important and I'm sort of still in in the in the balance of of figuring that out um and um you know yeah very passionate about continuing my work in whatever way that evolves um it, it sort of has continue to evolve and evolve over the last 10 years and I know it will continue to evolve but um you can find me on Instagram Sheena Jane underscore fitness I'm really trying hard to be better at Instagram lately like all the ideas are there but the time (laughs) I saw a meme on Instagram recently that was like sorry I haven't replied for six days I'm personally under understaffed or something and I I felt so seen like I am just trying to figure out um where everything fits so that I can be my best as a coach and social media definitely has taken a back seat as of late but I'm I'm getting back back more into that space and it's actually a space I'm really passionate about being in I love creating but um yeah like it it takes a lot of time and and work and time is quite more of a luxury now that I'm a full-time stay-at-home mum as well (laughs) of course yeah and I think um you know, for anyone that hasn't seen your content, it's very worth the watch and like just to read through what, you know, the small messaging points that you put out there. I'm excited for your podcast. I definitely will be listening in. Uh, you have a supporter over here and just your journey in general. But look, I will end the podcast there. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'll 